don't be afraid to admit what you don't know and don't go it alone. You know, find a support group, whether it's a formal peer group like that, whether it's just some like-minded people you meet at a networking event and, you know, set a morning aside every month and have a coffee and talk about what your challenges are and, you know, and, and help each other because it's just vital that, you know, we, we get some help that, and, and people are so willing to help. The Tom Screen podcast is owned and made possible by Ethical Marketing Service. If your business is struggling with Google or Facebook ads, maybe you're frustrated figuring it out or there's a performance issue, Ethical Marketing Service has worked on hundreds of accounts and we can help in this area. We offer a 30-day money-back guarantee and for every direct account we look after, we sponsor a child in a developing nation with food, water and education. If you would like to find out if we can help, it's a free no salesy consultation call and the link is in the description. Enjoy the episode. Thomas Green here with Ethical Marketing Service. On the episode today, we have Jim Rafferty. Jim, welcome. Thanks, Thomas. Nice to be here. Appreciate it. It's nice to have you. Would you like to take a moment and tell the audience a bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. I am a uh, marketing and communications consultant based in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, USA, and also the author of a book called Leader by Accident, uh, which, as the title would imply, is sort of revolves around leadership and really a number of things, but grows out of an experience where I was thrust into a leadership role unexpectedly and the, and the difference that made a few years later in sort of stepping off the ledge into entrepreneurship and hanging out my own shingle, which you know, it was almost a decade ago now. Well, thank you for the introduction. What does it mean to be a leader by accident? Well, in this case, the, the story is that I very suddenly became scoutmaster of our son's Boy Scout troop when the existing scoutmaster and his wife and two sons were all murdered by their oldest son, which is more yeah. horrible than it sounds. I, I still truly have trouble saying that. Um, and, you know, that maybe doesn't sound like a real big deal in terms of leadership, but I had zero experience in terms of ever having been a Boy Scout or a Scout leader or having any outdoor skills to speak of or that kind of thing. And we honestly didn't know if the troop would survive that. And as it turned, you know, we were about 25 young men, uh, you know, suddenly reduced in numbers and without a Scoutmaster. And it was odd to me that they turned to a guy with no experience in that moment and with the help of a lot of other people stepping up and doing more, uh, the troop not only survived, but thrived. And I spent five years as the scoutmaster, and it was an amazing string of adventures that, that challenged me and stretched me and took me out of my comfort zone. And, and that really fueled the, the journey into entrepreneurship when, you know, I was, I was shown the door at the job I'd held for a little over two decades at that point. And I mean, it had, truly never crossed my mind to do anything other than have somebody hand me a paycheck and provide my health care and, and all the sort of safety net that, that goes with having a, you know, job. Um, but I wound up doing something very different and it was, you know, probably the best professional thing. I've no doubt the best professional thing I've, I've ever done. That's, as I said, almost a decade ago and I've never been happier, you know, however you care to measure success in terms of, you know, income, schedule, flexibility, loving your work, all, all the boxes that we like to check. So, uh, so one thing definitely led to another in, in terms of that. And, and that really is the gist of Leader by Accident, the book. Well, congratulations on, well, first becoming an author, um, second, 
making it through, uh, should we say, successfully, if, if that is the case. Um, what did you learn from that, from being sort of put in that, should we say, quite unique position? It's, you know, there, there were two parts to it. There was the, the actual physical challenges of things I hadn't done before, you know, uh, just normal camping trips, you know, you know, weekend outings, but also high adventure trips down to the Florida Keys and to Yellowstone National Park. And on a non-scouting trip in the middle of all that, my wife and I and another couple hiked to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and spent four nights down there and, and hiked back out. And, you know, that part of it stretched me and challenged me and took me places I'd never been before. And then the, you know, the, the leadership side of it in terms of having to shepherd that group or help to shepherd that group through a very, very difficult time uh, also helped a lot in sort of informing in the skill set that I need going forward. So um, one of the things which I think you're happy to talk about is that the advice for someone who is um, – put in that position of being an unexpected leader, what would you say to that person? Don't be afraid to uh, not know what you don't know. I, w I was very upfront with the, the young men of the troop about my lack of scouting skills and that we were learning these things together sometime and, and we, sometimes. And, and we had some you know, more experienced hands around me to help. So, so that was huge. But you know, I never hid from the fact that you're pretended to be something I wasn't. I think that's, that's really key. And I think it translates really well now to, you know, a really challenging time for leaders in, in business environments, you know, here in the, the, the age of the great resignation. Why do you think that that was the case initially, like the, op the opposite basically? So why do you think it was the case that people felt like they had to hide what they didn't know previously? You know, I think it, it's something that comes with, you know, experience. But I, because I can remember, you know, moving to Baltimore in my mid 20s to be program director of a, a radio station and managing a staff of, you know, half a dozen or seven people, every one of whom was significantly older than I was. So, you know, your natural inclination is to, you know, fake it and, and pretend that you're more experienced than you are. And in, in hindsight, that was a mistake. And I, and I think just having some years on me by the time the Scoutmaster thing rolled around, um, you know, helped, you know, and, and you, you just develop, you get to a place where you're willing to say, look, this is it. This is what I know. This is what I don't know. And I, and I need your help with this. And I think people appreciate that in, in you know, any setting. Do you think it comes from insecurity? Yes, 100%. Okay. I did want to ask you initially about the fact that you're an entrepreneur now. And is it right that going through that leadership experience actually helped you get into entrepreneurship? Yeah, absolutely. It did. Um, I don't think I would ever have had the, the, the guts to say, you know, here, I'm going downtown to file the paperwork to launch my company, and I'm going to come home and tell the state of Maryland to stop sending me unemployment checks, you know, which I did. Uh, had had I not lived through the the previous few years and and been been stretched and pushed out of my comfort zone by the scouting stuff, and that really is one of the the main themes of of the book, Leader by Accident, is the 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 kinds of things that can happen when when we do challenge ourselves and when we when we do the thing that we're afraid to do or you know that scares us a little bit. So, what's the story of how you started your business? 
So I had had this job. I was the marketing and sales manager for a home improvement company here in Baltimore for not quite 21 years. And a new owner took it over year before, and that did not go real well. Uh, Much more detail about that in the book. But uh, anyway, I found myself out of work, and I started to look for a job because that was all I ever knew how to do was look for a job. And... That was a good idea in theory, I guess, but honestly, there wasn't a whole lot of demand for a, you know, then 51-year-old self-taught marketer. So I really, you know, it was a difficult time. Our son was a year away from college. My wife had always worked a few part-time jobs, but I was the main breadwinner and provider of health care. And it was a not a happy summer here in the in the Rafferty household. Um and then actually someone from the scout troop who owned a local business came to me and asked me if I'd stop in and talk to him about his website and some other stuff. And then uh, my brother-in-law who lived out of state and ran a company in a industry I didn't even know was a thing really uh, asked me to look over a proposal. He had to redo his website. And then a former boss who had started his own company asked me to come by and talk about things. And, and I thought, well, wow, somebody's trying to tell me something here. Maybe there is a path. And the thing is, though, that I think the the old gym, the the pre scouting gym, would have taken all that on as the side work and done it nights and weekends and whenever, and would have kept looking for a job until I found one, whether it was something I actually wanted to do or or not. And you know, I I think that those experiences that I had had and and stretching myself both as a leader and and sort of in the physical sense in terms of the, you know, the camping and the hiking and the the things that we did, um, you know, I said, let's do this. And as I said, you know, went downtown, filed the paperwork and launched the company and, and just stepped off the ledge into entrepreneurship. And it, it turned out great. You know, I love my work. You know, I really thought that I would be sort of the home improvement guy because that was my background. But I have clients in all kinds of industries that, uh, you know, it's just and, and that really is my favorite part is is meeting new ones and learning about what they do and what makes them work and all that. that, that that's been a lot of fun. So are you um, in websites? Is that what you do? Yeah, a little bit of everything. And that's another part of it that I love. Yes, I, I build websites for clients. I also, you know, manage their email newsletters and their social media and still some traditional radio, TV, print and just general strategy communication. How are we going to approach this? And, you know, having that first conversation with a client who says, I need a website and I go, well, okay, you need a website, but why? What, what's, what's your business model? How does it work? Where does your business come from? You know, is this website going to drive new business or is this website, uh, had this conversation two days ago, this website is really a, a brochure because that's not, that's not ever going to be a driver of your business because you're not in that kind of industry. Uh, so th- those conversations are great. Every client's different. Every day is different. And, and that's really what I love about my work. And do you remember how you got your first client, first paid one? Those three people who I just talked about, who all reached out to me, became my first three clients and remain that two of them still are. The other one was until last year when that company changed hands. Uh, my my brother-in-law remained my client for several years after he was not my brother-in-law anymore. So I was always uh, kind of proud of that. Uh, but yeah, they, you know, God bless them for sort of showing the way and, and that led to others and led to others. And it's really all pretty much come from referrals from other people, which is great. I haven't had to go knock on doors, which is, you know, a blessing. 
So basically, you saw an opportunity, and due to your, should we say, your leadership um, principles or your experience, you decided to go for it. Is that a good summary? It is, yes, it is a good summary. And the other thing I think that gave me a little bit of a, maybe an edge, was, you know, I mentioned the new ownership and, and you know, sort of surviving that for a year at the, the company where I worked. And the new ownership was kind of obsessed with consultants. We had a parade of consultants come through. And, you know, on the one hand, it was frustrating where over and over again, I would suggest doing things a certain way and sort of get ridiculed for it. And then the consultant would say the same thing and, you know, it would be gospel. But on the other hand, I sort of paid attention to how they carried themselves and I knew what they charged and how they worked and I saw how they interacted with the staff. And I think sort of paying attention during that year gave me a leg up when it came time to hang up my own shingle. Absolutely. It's interesting because you like un- until you know that that's a possibility, um, you know, it doesn't open up to you as an option, but you saw it as an option once you got that experience and um, went for it. So well done on on doing that and you've never looked back right right yeah and in the moment as i'm watching these consultants come through i wasn't you know my eye was not on doing that myself i mean it really never crossed my mind until i I felt that you know that was the only logical path to take but um but yeah i mean it definitely helped to sort of pay attention just little things like you know the ones who interacted with the the staff you know beyond what they were doing you know the, who took the time to sort of get to know people i guess is what i'm saying versus you know came in dispensed their wisdom and, and left you know there, there's a, a good way and a bad way to handle things and um you know i paid attention to that so what's your take on the on the comfort zone i think we need our comfort zones you know and especially over these past couple of years you know we've discovered our comfort zones as we've curled up on the couch and binge watched and sort of been forced to, to stay in our comfort zones, maybe, um, you know, and we need that. We need our family we need our pets and we need our home and, and our place where we can, you know, sort of be at peace with, with everything. The danger is that we stay there. Right. And if we don't challenge ourselves now and again, then, then you don't, we don't change and we don't grow. Uh, in, in the book, I use the line from the, you know, some unknown preacher who said, you know, God loves you just the way you are and he loves you too much to let you stay that way. You know, we, we need to be changing and challenging ourselves. So, you know, we don't need to live outside our comfort zones. I'm, I'm, you won't find a bigger homebody creature of habit than, than I am, but we do need to try new things and, and, and not say no. I used to talk about this with the scouts all the time about, you know, the opportunities they would have to try new things and how important it was to just not say no and to keep an open mind. And some pan out and some don't. But, you know, I've I've done a lot of work. Uh, again, I mentioned it in the book that maybe isn't straight, you know, marketing consulting and wasn't, you know, it's sort of technical writing. But when it came along early days, my dance card wasn't full, you know, and I said, sure, I'll give it a try. And I mean, that work over the years has helped put a couple of kids through college. So, you know, I, I think, you know, keeping an open mind, pressing ourselves, trying new things, stepping out of the comfort zone, that that's, you know, we, otherwise we just stay who we are. And, you know, life's too short to do that. So at some point you become an author. When does that happen? The book was published in October of last year. 
uh, by Morgan James Publishing. And it was a few years in the making, mostly because of me. You know, I would, my MO was sort of right for a while and then set aside and then come back a couple of months later and come back to it and, and edit and write some more and, and also. It's it's very much a pick it up, put it down, digestible, bite-sized chunks. Uh, the publisher likes to call it an airplane read. You know, it, it's not terribly long. Um, and, and it was a great experience in the places it's taken me into conversations like this, you know, um, since, since it was published. I've also, you know, really been neat. You know, some speaking opportunities have come out of it and, and that sort of thing. So... Uh, the the feedback on it's been really really nice and and very very gratifying. And um, start to finish, how long would you say that it took to write? It was a few years, but again, most of that was on me. And you know, had I if I took out the chunks where I set it aside and and went away and did other things, it, it probably would you know say a few months worth of work, all told. But you know, the the book is the structure of the book. In scouting, there's a thing called the Scoutmaster Minute, which essentially is a little mini homily given by the Scoutmaster at the end of each weekly meeting to to the young men of the troop. And when I became Scoutmaster, I realized, well, okay, I don't know three ways to start a fire without matches or how to find north without a compass, but that's something I can probably do a reasonably good job at. So I, I worked hard on those and I kept an archive of them over the years. And it, it was very gratifying to me that a, a number of our young men at their Eagle Scout ceremonies, you know, in reflecting on their scouting careers, mentioned those Scoutmaster minutes as a source of inspiration. So I use those throughout the book and, you know, take the lesson that I was trying to teach to the scouts and then in the chapter that follows, try to translate that for something meaningful for, for you and me and people trying to get through life and through business and leadership and, and all that sort of thing. So yeah, leadership is a theme for sure. Uh, gratitude is a big recurring theme in my, in my talks with them and this sort of comfort zone, if you want to call it that, but the, this notion of not saying no when new opportunities present itself, because, you know, at that age, it's so important and teenagers, right? In the scout troop, mostly, it, and, you know, they, they've got so many competing voices and, and it's so important. It was so important to me to be another positive voice in their ear, you know, hopefully reinforcing what they were already hearing at home. And a lot of it does, I think, translate really well to, to the business world. What would you uh, share on gratitude as you mentioned that? You know, there was one that I did um, very early on. And it, it was pretty simple. It was about, you know, the, the wind at your back, how I'd, I'd gone out for a run and, you know, this wind was blowing in my face. And I thought, well, that's great because on the way back, it'll be pushing me along. I'll feel it helping. And I never did notice that, you know, that the wind helped. And I said to the boys of the troop, I said, so is that how we are as we go through our days? Do we notice only the things that annoy us and not the things that are good? You know, and it takes a little more effort, I think, to to call out the the positive things and to notice them as we go through our days. And if we don't do that, it's very easy to fall into the trap of complaining about everything all the time. And that was really before social media took over our lives and, you know, this this daily shouting match that we all consume with our eyes and ears, you know, on social media and cable news and and, and everywhere else. So, you know, I think that the stream of negativity has gotten wider and deeper and, and it takes even more effort now to to counter that but 
that that particular scoutmaster minute, as I said, I delivered pretty early on in my tenure. And then again, towards the end, a week rolled around where I just didn't have time. My, my last year as scoutmaster overlapped my first year as entrepreneur. So there was a week where I just didn't have time to prepare a new one. So I dug into the archives and was very upfront with the scouts. I said, I'm recycling one here. And so it's about four years later, and, and I delivered the opening line, and out of the corner of my eye, I see one of my older scouts, and he nods his head, and he smiles, and I hear him murmur to himself, I remember this one. And that, that was one of the more rewarding moments, really, to know that something you'd said to a teenager four years ago actually stuck, you know? Yeah, well, some things are important to be reminded about, right? Yeah, they are. And and and, and that's it, you know? The, I think the word reminded is so key there because we've all been told many times that we need to get out of our comfort zone. We've all been told many times that we should cultivate a sense of gratitude, you know, but I always come back to the, um, the sales trainer, Zig Ziglar. Somebody said to him at one point, uh, Zig, the trouble with this sales training of yours is it doesn't last. And he said, well, neither does showering. That's why we recommend doing it daily. You know, and, and that's it. I mean, and that really is sort of the the gist of my book is, you know, it's probably mostly things you've already heard, but they're things you need to be reminded of. And and I've had so many people reach back to me and say, you know, this is what I needed to hear right now. You know, people going through stuff at work or going through stuff at home or, you know, family things or whatever. And it was just the, you know, the little nudge that they needed at, at the right moment. So that that's, you know, immensely satisfying to hear that kind of thing from people i think zig used to say for all the positive versus negative things you need to hear 16 times more positive things than you do for every one negative thing so you mentioning you know social media and news and that that sort of thing so um, your book i would imagine is one of those things that you need to add as a positive message right yeah i mean it's gotten so much harder and, you know, we're, we're sort of like the, you know, it didn't happen overnight. So, you know, we've just sort of collectively like the, the, the frog in the pot of water with the temperature being turned up gradually, you know, we've sort of gotten used to this just constant stream of, you know, like negativity and shouting and, and all the stuff that goes with it. And it's, you know, it's unfortunate, but it does, I, I really do believe it takes an active effort to, to counter that. And my my thing is very simple. I know some people do gratitude journaling. I think that's wonderful if you have the 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 time and the discipline to do that every day. Mine's a little simpler. I, I started doing this around the same time I launched the company. And when I go to bed at night, the last thing I do before I close my eyes is come up with three things that happened that day that I'm grateful for. And some days it's a real challenge to come up with three things. <laughs> And other days, it's a real challenge to decide which three things. And that's great because that's a real good, really a good exercise in what's important. You know, but th- that has made a difference in my mindset. And it, it doesn't mean that I'm, you know, happy and walking around whistling all the time, but it means that I'm more positive, just, you know, and, and that's maybe more important, I think. Thank you for sharing that. Do you have a favorite chapter in the book? Hmm. Ask me to choose a child, golly. Um, I'll tell you the the one that I've had a lot of feedback on, uh, probably more than anything, is the, um, the, the and there are a couple, but the the gratitude part 
has generated more um, than that. And there, there's also, uh, there's a chapter towards the end that, that really doesn't quite fit with the rest of the book, but it's sort of a, really a eulogy I wrote when my next door neighbor and best friend passed away a few years ago. And something about that has really resonated with people, just the, the kind of person he was. You know, he was a guy who, who lit up a room and when you met him, you thought, wow, there goes the world's greatest salesperson. You know, he just had that kind of personality, but it took a little longer for you to realize that it was not an act that, you know, that there was some depth there and he was just a, a marvelous human being. And, and that chapter for, you know, people to read something about somebody they didn't know, um, really has generated a lot of, a lot of feedback. Well, thank you for that. And would you say that you enjoyed the writing process or was it tough? Yes, uh, I did enjoy it. So that's really interesting because in, in the book, you know, I sort of own up to the fact that, well, here I am preaching about getting out of your comfort zone. And I'm talking about, you know, a tragedy that happened in 2008 and then launching my company in 2012. And, well, what have you done lately? And the answer is, well, I wrote a book, which I've never done before. I, I didn't realize then. I've realized since the book came out, that was not really the the stretch for me because I write every day. I write blog posts and social media posts and email blast for people and, and all that kind of thing. And I'm very comfortable with conversational writing. So this certainly was bigger scope and, you know, the organizational part, what order should the chapters go in and, and which Scoutmaster minute goes with which chapter and, and that kind of thing. That was a challenge, but the actual writing in hindsight, I do that all the time where I realized I was out of my comfort zone was when I hit send on an invitation to a little book signing event for about 40, 50 people, and I realized that this little baby of mine that, you know, I'd worked on for a few years was now going out into the, the wild world to be judged by people who were not related to me, you know, and that was really, uh, you know, it, it took me a day or so. I, you know, I'm not a real outwardly emotional person, but I, I had my version of a little meltdown over that. And my wife and a good business friend sort of talked me off the ledge. And my, my business friend actually said to me, so the guy who writes about getting out of his comfort zone is upset because he's out of his comfort zone. And I went, ah, yeah, there it is. And, and that really was what it is. That was the stretch that like, you know, here's this very personal memoir really you know slash self-help slash advice you know leadership book and and now it's now it's going out there to be judged and you know it it's turned out fine but that that was a moment that that really uh, took me out of my comfort zone in a big way again congratulations it's not the easiest thing to do would you say you're proud of Thank yourself you. for doing it Yes. Yeah, I, I guess I am. Um, I, I've really enjoyed the opportunities that have come from it, you know, the chance to speak to some groups and, and tell the story, you know, in sort of a keynote situation. And that's been a lot of fun hearing from people like, I mean, high school friends who, you know, through three degrees of Facebook found out I wrote a book and I get this letter out of the blue from one that's like this long about how much the book meant to him. And, you know, and then we had a phone conversation and reconnected and, and things like that and strangers. And that, that part has been, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure proud is the right word, but, you know, really 
satisfied. And a great example is the quote on the cover, which is from uh, Robert Gates, a former Secretary of Defense here and former CIA, CIA director. And that was, you know, I reached out to a former friend from a scout troop and said, look, I'm at the point where, you know, I, if I could find somebody with who's famous to say something nice about the book, that'd be great. And he said, well, I know somebody who knows him. So this is, you know, now the equivalent of a third degree LinkedIn connection, I guess. Right. It's, you know, I, I, I don't know Mr. Gates. And one Monday morning I come down and in my email is this glowing review that he had absolutely nothing to gain from doing. And I'm, I'm so deeply grateful to him for that, that, that really, you know, it's, it's a nice thing to have up, up on the top of the front cover of your book is, you know, a quote about a quote that says, I couldn't put it down, you know, from Bob Gates. So. Brilliant. Great to hear. And, um, regarding your goals, I mean, whether for the book or, you know, anything else, uh, have you got anything in mind at the moment? would like to continue to keep the book moving forward and have done that with, you know, a lot of great conversations like this one and some, you know, speaking appearances, as I said, and as we come out of, you know, two years of COVID and start to gather in person that, that those opportunities become more frequent. So that that's great. And, and yes, and continue to, you know, I'm not going to, I, I never had any visions of, you know, retiring because I wrote a book, right? So I, I've got to also keep the other business going and keep the plates in the air and continue to grow that. And so far, it's it's been manageable. So do you think you've got another one in you or not? <laughs> I don't know. I think we're going to let this one play out first. Uh, if I do, it'll be based on some of the the feedback I've had, the, the stories I've heard in response to what I wrote here in the first book, because people have come and shared their own things and, and all that. But I don't, I don't know if there'll be another one. Sounds like it's starting already to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know if it's a book or a series of blog posts. We'll find out. So what does success mean to you, Jim? Boy, that's such a good question. Um, as I said earlier, you know, we, we have different ways of, of measuring it, right? And some are all about the numbers in the bank account and some are about, you know, doing work that you love. And, you know, for me, even before I was an entrepreneur, I've always been blessed with work that allowed me to participate in my kids' lives as we raised them, you know, to be the, to be the scoutmaster, to be before that, the, the baseball coach, the soccer coach, that kind of thing. And, you know, because once they get to high school, they cease being ours for long chunks of time, right? All the re activities revolve around school and, and we don't see a lot of them. And, and because I was involved in scouts, I was, you know, able to stay really have a front row seat for a lot of what our son was doing as he went through those years. And he's 20, almost 27 now and, and doing fine. Our, our daughter, who's three years younger, she is here in Baltimore and she's a nurse at, at one of our bigger hospitals. Um, so, you know, that, that, that for me is success. I could have, you know, probably made more money along the way. I, I could have made different career choices, but you know, I, I was there for my kids and, and to, to raise a couple of really cool people. And, and that, that for me is probably more than anything. And, and same, I would say for my wife who, you know, made the decision to stop working full time when we had kids and I made sure that was her decision and not mine. 
Um, but you know, I think that really made a difference in, in how they turned out. And, and there are people who maintain two full-time jobs and are wonderful parents. We know many of them, but I think that was the right choice for us. There is a theme in relation to that question, because I do like to ask it to know what people's definitions are. And it is typically around being a good parent, you know, raising children. So it's interesting that societally we look at success differently than perhaps what individuals do. Uh, But I might be reading into that based on the type of person that comes on this podcast, one of the two. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think we do. And, you know, I'm not going to judge anybody if they measure success a, a different way than I do. But that, that's what was important for me. You know, I've always, you know, I read a blog post once about uh, sort of celebrating the end. You know, when, when people ask you what you do for a living, right? And you say, well, I'm a marketing consultant or that. Well, you know, I, I always like to be doing a lot of different things. I've been a singer all my life, mostly in church. But I mean, you know, a paid soloist, right? And I still do that. And I'm a marketing consultant and I'm an author and I'm a speaker and, you know, a parent and all the things that, that go with that. And that's what makes me tick. I, I love variety in my life and I, I would not do well doing just one thing. Other people are exceptional at one thing and that's what makes them successful. And that's great, but that's not me. Is there anything that I should have asked you about today? I think you covered it pretty well. Really, I really I, I enjoyed the questions because they, you know, they were around the book, but not about the book, which is is great. And I think, you know, the the only thing I would say, maybe as a final thought, is that, you know, here we are in what we're calling the Great Resignation. And I actually saw an article about two three days ago that said right now in the U.S there are two open positions for every unemployed person, which has never in modern history been the case. And, you know, my favorite business saying is that people join companies and they quit bosses, right? So I think there's a focus on leadership now and especially on empathetic leadership now because as a leader over the last two years, you've had to learn how to not only lead your team, but lead them in a way that allows them to not be in person and to maybe be, you know, raising kids who are, you know, stuck at home, you know, learning remotely and all these changes we've had foisted upon us by the pandemic. And that part of things, I think that that sort of empathetic leadership has, has really resonated right now for that reason. It's a challenging time. Well, I did have one reserved for kind of like a closing thoughts, if you like. Um, And it is entrepreneurs who are just starting out. What advice do you have for them? You know, it's the same thing I would say to a leader who's just starting out. I mean, don't be afraid to ask for help and to admit that you don't know what you don't know. And one of the things I talk about in the book, and which is a form of getting help, right? Especially if you're doing a solo entrepreneur thing. One of the first things I did almost by coincidence was I I met a guy who's now a dear friend and business partner in in another venture. Uh, And he was just taking over this organization that does monthly peer group meetings for business leaders. So one morning every month on the third Wednesday, or, you know, there are several, but that's mine. Eight to 12 of us gather around a conference room table and we solve each other's problems. And you really get to know each other 
personally and professionally. You get some great advice. And I'll tell you, in, in my early days of an entre- as being an entrepreneur, you know, being able to sit there and give advice and realize that it was being well-received and that it was meaningful, that was a huge confidence booster that made me think, wow, you know, I can do this. You know, so don't go it alone would be, you know, which is sort of the, the corollary, right? Don't be afraid to admit what you don't know and don't go it alone. You know, find a support group, whether it's a formal peer group like that, whether it's just some like-minded people you meet at a networking event and, you know, set a morning aside every month and have a coffee and talk about what your challenges are and, you know, and, and help each other because, and, and I'm a very, I'm a guy who's very comfortable with my own company and being solitary and all, you know, I, I, I can spend days on my own, but even being that kind of person, it's just vital that, you know, we, we get some help that, and, and people are so willing to help. I mean, when I first hung out my shingle, I, you know, reached out to everybody I knew and said, Hey, can we have a coffee and, and talk about this? And everybody was so supportive. One guy who runs a little ad agency gave me copies of his agreements and some of his legal documents that he uses and all, and just said, you know, change the name. It's fine. And, you know, things like that, that were just so, you know, people are so willing to help more, more than you think. So don't be afraid to ask for that help. Yeah, it's, uh, it cuts down the learning curve as well. So if you're learning from, let's say, three or four different people, that might take you months or even years to learn by yourself. So it's great advice. If Absolutely. people want to buy the book or connect with you, where do they go? Sure, uh, leaderbyaccident.com. And they can find me there. They can find the book there. The book is on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the usual places you buy books. But there's links to every one of those. So start at leaderbyaccident.com and you'll, you'll find everything you need. Well, thank you for being a great guest today. And congratulations again on being an author. Jim, thank you very much. Thank you, Thomas. I appreciate it. Really enjoyed the conversation.